0: Right, glad you're with us. Write down our toll free telephone number. It's 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of this extravaganza. Wow. I mean, I never will have uh, Joe Bastardi, the official meteorologist of the Sean Hannity show on later uh, to talk about this. But I've we met with all the hurricanes over all the years. I don't remember one that went this slow. I mean, by the time it gets to South Carolina this week, where it was, I, I feel so bad for the people in the Bahamas. I, ho- I hope and pray everybody got out. Um, I, I don't even want to hear the news of what we're going to hear about this, uh, it, but it just stayed there and it just stayed there and it just barely moved. And if you look at the the track and the different models that they have, I mean, it is skirting so close to the eastern seaboard. It's it's pretty chilling, especially when you think of the, you know, 185, 200 mile per hour winds that the Bahamas experienced over the weekend. It was it was devastating. And uh, I was really I was I was so glad to see that our Coast Guard was there to help them and help rescue people. And uh, and obviously, Americans always step up and help people in trouble. And it's like, for example, it's like this whole, you know, this California boat that I've never seen anything like it, where a yacht boom just blew up, and the only people that I got off were the five what crew members. You know, I think thirty-four people likely died in this thing. I don't; they haven't confirmed it, and it just makes you take a step back and say, "Wow." Um, you don't know. You just never know in life. And um, oh, by the way, we do have an HBO producer, David Simon. He is asking God a favor. He wants God to step in. And he's hoping that God will step in and wipe out Mar-a-Lago with Hurricane Dorian. No, I, I'm, I'm reporting it was right there in Breitbart. Um, he's the HBO producer, creator of The Wire, lashing out on Twitter, asking God to wipe out President Trump's club at Mar-a-Lago in the hurricane. After the last three years, the work of a just and righteous God cannot be considered credible evidence of his uh, goodness unless he picks all of Mar-a-Lago up by the roots, sails it across half of Florida and heaves it on top of Doral and its everlasting bedbug. Okay, that's pretty sick. Uh, Deborah Messing calling uh, on the press, on the media to out Trump Hollywood fundraiser attendees, identify them. This is getting really twisted. Very sick. There was a Blaze story about a a a pastor in Alabama that actually said black Trump voters are mentally ill. Wow. Uh, and then of course you got liberal Joe. We love our liberal Joe, uh, half of America, Melania Trump cried the night Trump was elected president. Well, I happen to know for a fact that wasn't true. That just, he just made it up. Just like, you know, it was like Lawrence O'Donnell. All right. I give Lawrence credit. Lawrence apologized. Lawrence apologized. Okay. But that's all they do every day. He's talking about it. Did not meet the standards of our rigorous standards of NBC. I'm like, it's been two and a half years of lies, conspiracy theories and a hoax pretty much every second, every minute of every hour of every day, starting with liberal Joe straight on through the day. And then, you know, Nicole Wallace. Uh, I love these. I love how NBC bills f- people that were once Republican that now make big paychecks in TV, being a liberal, but saying they're a Republican They're not Republicans and Joe's not a conservative. If you're a conservative and you look at the president's policies, maybe you don't like his style. Okay, I can understand he fights. He doesn't doesn't have the off switch. He is going to fight every waking moment of every day. That's how he's getting the wall built. That is how he is moving forward. That's how he got better trade deals with Mexico and Canada and Japan and with our European partners, that's how he got NATO to pay more. That's how he's going to get the Chinese to pay more, too. Whether they know it or not, they're going to pay. And they're not going to get this big, huge, massive imbalance where they tax all of our stuff. Eventually, they're going to give in. It's a 27-year low in terms of their economy right now. And the value of their currency is at an 11-year low. And I would say that the president has sent a pretty uh, pretty loud message to President Xi that, you know what? This is real. We're going to fight and we're not giving in and you got to come to the table. Now, maybe people in China are advising their president for life, President Xi, that maybe they're saying to him, he's not going to win re-election. Well, I wouldn't bet on that either. And I kind of would bet, knowing Donald Trump a little bit, I haven't known him for more than a couple of decades, I would kind of bet that Trump's probably saying, okay. If you make that calculation, good luck with that, because the deal that we'll talk about in January of 2021, the price goes up 50 percent. So they're going to have to weigh it. And it's called pressure. It's called the art of the deal. It's called negotiations. And if the people you're negotiating with, if they don't believe you're serious, they're not ever going to give in. One thing Donald Trump's good at. Is he serious? Okay. I told you it's going to happen. It's happening. I am i don't really care that much about the stock market because the day we sign the deal, it's going to go up 3,000 points or whatever it'll go up. And I think that's where the president's mind is on all that. All right. We have a, a lot today that we're going to get to. We're going to be following. We have Joe Bastardi, as I said, coming up. We've got a lot of deep state news. This is getting very, very interesting. We got the liberal reaction. I mean, the... You politicize a shooting like seconds now after it happens. We don't even know the facts. We don't know the background. We don't know anything about it. And it turns out, as the Texas governor Abbott revealed, that the Odessa shooter failed his background check. But guess what? Got a gun anyway. And don't forget, it's more evidence that criminals don't follow the gun laws. And the only people that listen to the laws are the good people. In other words, you and me, then this, back to the question with Comrade de Blasio and when I had him on the TV show. OK, you have armed guards. Can ev- does every New Yorker have a right to have a gun in their home? Every New Yorker has a right to be safe. I didn't ask you if they have a right to be safe. Do they have a right to the same protection you get? They have a right to be safe. Do they have a right to a gun? They have a right to be safe. OK, it's the answer is no, they don't. Now this is now the Democrats are all trying to jump in here and and politicize this. You know what you didn't hear about? Labor Day weekend, 35 shot, seven of them killed in the city of Chicago. Very violent Labor Day weekend in Philly. Two dozen people have been hurt or killed around Philadelphia. Six people were killed over the weekend, including a 24 year old woman found shot in the upper parts of her body. Uh, You know, two men This is why don't they cover these stories? You know, the the gunman in Texas, he failed a previous background check. Background checks aren't going to work for criminals. They're going to figure out another way. Well, we'll limit the number of bullets. You can make a magazine at home that will work fairly easily. Years ago, I chronicled the anarchist cookbook. It gives details, chapter and verse, on how to make a bomb. That's what's available, sadly, on the Internet. And if people don't have one way to kill people, they're going to do it another way because the evil intention is in their heart. It's not the means by which they they perpetrate their evil will be manifested in numerous ways. You know, Eric Swalwell mocking good guys with guns after Texas shooting. And okay, you want to. Is that funny to you? Because it's not funny to me. Just like hoping and and begging and and praying for a a recession or for Mar-a-Lago to be wiped out in a hurricane or dreaming an awful lot about blowing up the White House or any of the other insane things that people on the left have been saying. Um, We have a lot of 2020 news. Yeah, it was Beto O'Rourke, by the way, he pledged to take away AK, AR-15s, AK-47s. It's not going to stop it. You know. Then we get to Joe Biden. All right. It's getting a little scary. I, I'm, I, I, I watched him very closely this weekend. His whole look has changed. I don't know if it's that he has aged significantly since. If you know, he does not look. I look at him. He looks feeble. He's he doesn't even look the same anymore. I'm like, wow, he's been. Out of the public eye for only a short period of time, he looks he looks like he's aged dramatically in the time that he's left the office of vice president. To me, I'm not a doctor. I'm not playing one on TV now, nor does he look like he has a lot of energy or a lot of heart in this thing. And then it raises the question, Okay, now we've got the Washington Post investigation basically finding that every detail of Biden telling a war story is false. I mean, every detail. And he changes the story dramatically every time he tells it. And he was at a rally in New Hampshire over on Friday. He told the crowd that that he had been asked to travel to the dangerous, a dangerous province in Afghanistan to pin the silver star on a war hero, you know, who had uh, you know gone down a steep wall to retrieve the body of a fallen comrade and well, first he says he's been over there 28 times, then it's 29 times, then it's 30 times. Every time he tells the story, the details change dramatically every single time. And in his telling, he pinned the uh, medal to the hero's chest. And the Navy captain told Biden he didn't deserve the medal because he hadn't saved his friend in time. This is the God's truth, he told the audience. My word is a Biden. Except the problem is almost every detail, even the Washington Post acknowledges in the story is incorrect. And based on interviews with more than a dozen U.S. troops, their commanders, Biden campaign officials, it appears, let's be charitable, that he's telling a little bit of a fib or he's just lying or even worse. He doesn't know. I, I don't know what it is because he's doing an awful lot of stepping on himself and gaffing himself. And it's like death by a thousand cuts now. Oh, wait, your mom's still alive. Remember that? guy? oh well, your mom's still alive. Stand up, Chuck. Oh, God bless you, Chuck. You know, oh, God bless you. You're in a wheelchair. Sorry, Chuck. You know, you, remember as a senator in 75, Biden opposed busing. Remember that? In other words, integration. He supported segregation. And, you know, then, of course, we have his plagiarism plagiarism issues of you know law school paper and then of course Neil Kinnock word for word and Bobby Kennedy and you know I still think the worst thing he ever said is I mean for the first time ever you've got a first time ever you got a mainstream African American who's who's articulate bright and clean that's storybook man Hey, what are you talking about? I'm not a Northeastern state. My state's a slave state. We take truth over facts. I'm like, wow, this is, you know, woof. It, uh, it's shocking. You can't go to a 7-Eleven or a Dunkin' Donuts unless you have a slight Indian accent. Okay, good luck with that. Uh, and it goes on from there. You know, and then you, we're going to put you all back in chains. Or, you know, then you have a creepy touching. I mean, it's it's getting to the point. It's absolute madness. This is not there's to have to have your wife come out and say, you may have to swallow and vote for my husband. Wow. Or to bring your doctor in and have your doctor say, no, his brain is working. His brain is working. He's making up war stories. Then he's telling us, but I'm not going nuts. Okay, that's nice to know. He's uh, confusing New Hampshire with Vermont. This is all recently. You know, it's one after the other says he was vice president during the Parkland massacre. No, you were not, Joe. You were gone by then. It was over. And uh, there are a lot. There are at least three genders. Joe 30330. You know, hey, by the way, poor kids are just as bright as white kids. Wow. Uh, Imagine if Trump said that one. Imagine the 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 media mob, and we believe in truth over facts. And oh yeah, we had the shootings. Remember back to back shootings that took place. One in Dayton, the other one took place in in Texas, um, and El Paso. That particular, remember that weekend happened within hours. Yeah, he said they were, happened in Houston and Michigan. Whoa, Joe three o three three o. Of course, he said nice things about segregationists. Joe three o three three o. He, I, I don't know what to tell you. This 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 is their candidate. They're trying. You're all laughing. I'm not. I'm not even trying to be funny. It's funny. I watch watch him. He, he is aged. Something has happened. He looks so different than he did when he left office. He looks right and he's like more hunched over. He's got no energy. Like, you know, he's just like skipping along and is, he can't give a speech. Now, I guess they'll throw him on a teleprompter. Good luck in the debates with no teleprompter. All right. 25 till to the top of the hour. 800-941-SHAWN, toll-free telephone number. It's not just the Washington Post that is pointing out. I mean, the Washington Post, this is a big deal because they're basically sending a message when they investigate Joe Biden. And I, I looked very closely at him this week. I don't know. Well, I had time. That's what I had. I had time to watch TV, which I don't usually have Uh, except, you know, it's interesting. I am watching TV. I have three TVs on in front of me. So that sounds dumb, but I'm not really looking at the TVs. And when they say almost every detail, of Joe Biden's war story is false, they're kind of sending the message, we're done with you. I watched him closely. and I don't know what it is. He he seems to me, in my observation, just being blunt and honest, to have aged dramatically in the time since he left office as vice president. It just doesn't look like the same guy. And he he looks... Older. He acts, walks, his presence is older, much older. Now we're all gonna get old. There's nothing wrong with being old. I'm gonna be I'm older than everyone in front of me right now. But that's not the point. Donald Trump is a young, vibrant, you know, in the game, on his game, you know, kind of president with a lot of energy. And I don't see that energy, that fight in Biden. He just it looks like he's gotten hunched over. It looks like when he you know, he's like, oh, another picture. Oh, I'm so tired. That's the impression I get. And I think these gaffes are indicators that he if he ever had an A game, which I can make a good argument that he's always been a C player. And as much as he's never had an A game, he's always had a C game, which is why he never went anywhere when he went for president. But or or maybe he's being forced or feels an obligation or a duty to do this. That, this is the wrong job if you think you're doing it for the wrong reasons. And then he couldn't get to he couldn't explain at all why he's running. Why are you running? Uh, I didn't have an explanation. Now, one last thing, and we'll get to meteorologist Joe Bastardi. The New York Times sounds like they're ready to pull the plug. I was just curious. I was looking at the New York Times over the weekend, because that's how bored I get when I'm off four days and I'm such a loser. And I just read and read and sleep and have a drink and eat a steak and read some more. Anyway, the former vice president can appear on some days like a man longing for the hard-earned retirement that he had been enjoying after eight years as Barack Obama's vice president. Now, when I read that, I said, holy crap, that's what I've been saying that. And then they go on. He could have easily strolled off into the warm twilight, possessed of abundant goodwill, newfound wealth, time to enjoy his family and space to grieve the death of his son, Bo to cancer in 2015. That's got to be hard for any parent. I, I feel terrible for him for that. But with some exceptions, Biden's days as a potent and fiery stump speaker seem long past. Again, New York Times, I'm thinking, Wow. They think like I think. And he can exude a level of weariness certain days. He can be as unfocused, long-winded, prone to misstatement as ever. He has kept up a steady run of blunders and embarrassments, including a report last week that the Washington Post that he had gotten several facts, basic fundamental facts wrong in an emotional story told about an Afghan war hero. Yet here was Mr. Biden at 76 trudging through the You know, another dog day of August in the extreme heat. He was just as finished up. uh, He had just finished up a small rally in central Iowa, small meaning nobody shows up, held in a gazebo like party space overlooking a pond. He seemed a bit riled up and not in a good way. He became annoyed at a Fox News reporter who asked him about the relative smallness of his crowds (laughs) compared to some of the other candidates, because I guess Elizabeth Warren now is top 10,000 in two. Speeches she's given, and then uh, he said, well, "I don't know what you're talking about." And then Biden crowds are smaller than the other candidates. You know, everyone thinks they know, and the polls know. I, I, I trust polls less than I trust most weather people. The only one I trust is WeatherBell.com's Joe Bastardi, the official meteorologist of the Sean Hannity show. But I give this admonition and warning when Joe talks about hurricanes that happened, you know, before my father was born. That means that he is showing us historically that there's a precedent for all of these hurricanes, and it's not what liberals in the media mob are likely telling you about climate change, the next ice age coming, global warming, we're about to all melt. Uh, and I admire your knowledge and experience, Joe Bastardi. How are you?
1: Uh, very well. In fact, he brought up Mar-a-Lago uh, and the, uh, the wish that... Um that the hurricane would hit there. Well, I'm sure uh, President Trump knows the history of South Florida hurricanes where it got hit eight times in seven years in the 1940s. And that was when CO2 was very much below what it is now. Can we take a moment to
0: say another Hannity prediction has come true? Joe Bastardi is now going way back in time to explain the current hurricane. How is it going to impact? Here's the question. When is it going to hit? How bad Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, and up the East Coast? Charleston looks bad to me.
1: Charleston looks very bad. Matthew, uh, for those of you uh, in Florida, Matthew, most of you are. Uh, si- similar situation as two years ago. And then uh, that's the same thing with Georgia. But once the coast starts bending there, that's when things can get really nasty. Because even though the hurricane is going to be a category two or one, it's spreading out. And I, I just want to remind folks. But this category thing is, uh, it's, it's, of course, it's a Category 5. It's uh, off the scale almost. But the category thing could be deceptive. We have a power and impact scale at Weather Bell that we've developed. It incorporates the pressure and the size of the storm. So if you remember Sandy, Sandy's highest winds were 85 to 90 miles an hour, but they were spread out all over the place. So what will happen is uh, you'll be having hurricane-force wind gusts all the way to the coast uh, 6 to 12, maybe 15 hours because this is moving slow. Now, I'm talking about what happens up toward Charleston. Uh, again, Florida, it's a, it's a, just like Matthew, these storms cannot go inland. Very rarely do they go inland north of, uh, north of West Palm Beach up to Jacksonville. The way the coast is shaped and the fact that in that area you see winds collapse off makes it very difficult to get the hurricane in from the ocean in there. But what it does is it'll parallel the Florida coast. And then when the coast juts out, remember uh, remember the coast juts out 350 miles north of those uh, longitude, to Hatteras' longitude, that's when the storm, even if it turns northeast, can actually uh, go ashore. And we've been, uh, you know, my, our forecast hasn't changed in four days. We believe this is going to try and make landfall Cape Fear, North Carolina, probably around noon Thursday. And then come out through the Outer Banks and uh, work its way out into the Atlantic after that. So the worst part of this storm is probably going to be South Carolina, North Carolina, and even Southeast Virginia, uh, because of a unique situation that goes on there. The convergence of the wind from Chesapeake Bay and the Atlantic accelerates the wind in the tidewater sometimes. And you'll be seeing the, you know where the hurricane is uh, causing high winds. All of a sudden they'll show up near Norfolk too. So that's something that we've, uh, we've gotten a forecast also.
0: All right. So next question, I feel so bad for the people in the Bahamas. This thing just hovered like a helicopter. And I'm just thinking, wow, what was the sustained winds at times? What, 185, 200? That's a lot.
1: Yeah, that's that's right. It was every bit that way. Uh, The storm was very compact, uh, relatively speaking, when it was... uh, Nine ten nine hundred ten millibars. You know the uh, the nineteen thirty five storm had one hundred eighty five mile an hour winds in the Keys, but the pressure was eight ninety two millibars. So the,
0: you can see, what
1: Joe. Joe,
0: I love trip. you. Nobody knows yeah. what a millibar is. Nobody. Well, I don't know. Well,
1: even... Maybe so an isobar. That's where a meteorologist goes to get a cold drink. Uh, but what happens is, folks. That's an isobar. That
0: was very good, Joe. Okay, <laughs> we love you. I'm that's, t- that's you're, a- you're so nice, and you all right. Explain what a millibar is.
1: Well, it's a, it's, a, it's a pressure measurement. The lower it is, the more powerful, and more intense the storm is. And when they're focused like this, and this was a fist of fury, now it's starting to spread out, uh, that wind, uh, when the storm's intensifying, is ramped up. In other words, you might have, let's say, the, uh, you know, a Katrina, with the pressure it was uh, 920 millibars, it was down to 130, 125 miles an hour. So uh, the point of the matter is, that everything went almost perfectly. It was like I was in tropical meteorology class at Penn state. My professor used to always say when they come up Northwest and turn West, that's when they start intensifying rapidly. And that was a classic case of it. Now, why did it stop? Well, it's a cork in the stream. And as, as, Majestic as all these these things look, at as big as they are, maje- are so majestic.
0: Around. I know God has majesty. I mean, read Job. Job says, "Where were you when I was setting the foundations of the earth?" But you know, I mean, this is life and death. This scares the well, crap out I, of me. You no,
1: know, I understand. I wasn't. I'm talking about what people are viewing on TV. Uh, so uh, you know, look, look how big that is, right? Well, actually, in terms of the steering, Sean. It's, it's quite small. It's like a cork in the stream. So if the stream flow collapses, the storm just stalls. Now, we see storms stalling all the time. We saw Hurricane Flora in 63 stall, stall for four days over eastern Cuba. Fidel was accusing the United States of blocking the storm to destroy his island, and it dumped over 100 inches of rain in southeast Cuba. So we've seen this before. We just haven't seen a storm stall right in that particular area i'm just shocked okay.
0: we haven't heard a, a liberal commentator on fake news saying that donald trump caused the hurricane i'm it's coming well, some I, dope will say it
1: the, 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 the,
0: well i gotta run because i gotta get to other stories all right all so right. this is we're gonna have you on during the week it 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 really impacts florida starting when that's the last question Well, it's, just it's, tell it's, me what day.
1: It's impacting Florida tonight into tomorrow, okay. and then later tomorrow. That's that's the that's the worst weather in Florida, but right the up the eastern seaboard. Of this storm, yeah, the guts of this storm is Wednesday night to Thursday.
0: All right, thanks, Joe Bastardi, weatherbell. dot com. All right, so the Washington Post is turning on Uncle Joe. He looks feeble to me. New York Times is saying it. Listen to how the fact, he's fabricating his war story, 28, 29, 30, just all, listen to how he jumbles the three versions we have. This is version one.
2: I've been in and out of Afghanistan and Iraq 28 times. 28. I've been in and out of Iraq and Afghanistan over 29 times. 29. I've been in and out of Afghanistan and Iraq over 30 times. Over 30. At the PRT,
3: in a makeshift meeting room surrounded by rocks, mud, and sandbags, but filled with flat screens and computers, a two-star general traveling with us performed an impromptu awards two-star. He gave a bronze star to a corporal who looked to me to be about 25 years old.
2: I found myself in Iraq being asked by General Ordiano, a four star. Four star. To pin a silver medal on a young captain. I had been asked in a forward operating base in the middle of a godforsaken nowhere in the upper Konar Valley in Afghanistan to pin a silver star on a young, coincidentally, Navy captain in what they call FOB, a Forward Operating Base. I pin medals on silver stars on soldiers up in the upper Konar Valley in the middle of a firestorm the poor guys have gone through. Young Navy captain, Navy, Navy, up in the mountains in the Konar Valley in Afghanistan.
3: Who had pulled a badly wounded gunner to safety, returning fire to repel the enemy and then, and then keeping his buddy alive until medevac arrived. Who had pulled
2: someone out of a burning Humvee, risking his life. One of his buddies got shot, fell down a ravine about 60 feet. This guy climbed down a ravine, carried this guy up on his back under fire. He had gone down a ravine to rescue one of his men who had been shot brought him back under hail of gunfire was wounded
0: all right the here's man, the deal i because we're running out of time for the washington post to base it, to say not even not even in, that almost every detail is a lie or false depending on how charitable you might want to be is breathtaking This is a game changer. I'm telling you, New York Times, Washington Post have now flipped on Biden. Um, And then Biden, you know, the guy who said we take we 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 take truth over facts. I'm like, huh, Joe, three, oh, three, three, oh, then he says in an interview this weekend, details are just irrelevant,
4: not you judgment, understand but Mr. No, no, not judgment, but details. Because Detail. that's something I've heard from some voters, maybe not at your events, but well, details. No,
0: but the details
2: are irrelevant in terms of irrelevant. decision-making. If, in fact, I forget that it was Rodriguez of all the times. I've been in and out of Afghanistan and Iraq and Bosnia. Well,
0: 28, and Oslo, As much as
2: anybody, except maybe my deceased friend John McCain and maybe Lindsey Graham. And so the fact that I would forget that it was Rodriguez who was pinning, I believe this is the case, pinning a bronze star on a young man. uh, Two star, four star. It's irrelevant to the point. It's like saying, I had this very bright reporter and I think her eyes were blue. What difference would it make about whether you were a bright reporter? Your eyes are brown. It's
0: irrelevant and you know it. Okay. Is that going to be their candidate? That's a problem.
5: During the 2012 military offensive in Gaza, you tweeted, Israel has hypnotized the world. May Allah awaken the people and help them see the evil doings of Israel. How do you put that into context
6: now? And what do you say to American Jews? So I remember when when that was happening, um, watching TV and really feeling as if Um, no other life was being impacted in in this war. Uh, And that really, those unfortunate words were the only words I could think about um, expressing at that moment. Most of the things that have always been aggravating to me is that we have had uh, a policy that makes one superior to the other. And we mask it with a conversation that's about justice and a two-state solution. When you have... Policies that clearly prioritize um, one over the other, such as, um, I mean, I, just our relationship really with uh, the Israeli government and the Israeli state. And so, when I see Israel institute um, law that that recognizes it as a, as a as a Jewish state and does not recognize um the other religions that are that are living in it and we still uphold it as a democracy in the Middle East I almost chuckle when I talk about places like Saudi Arabia or you know um, Israel or even now with with Venezuela the thing that was interesting in the class was every time the the, the professor said al-Qaeda, he sort of, like, his shoulders yeah. oh. went up and, you know... Yeah, he's in command here. Like, yeah. Al-Qaeda, you know, has, he's has an been... He's an expert. Was-
4: <laughs> when you get into Congress, will you vote against U.S.
5: military aid for Israel? Absolutely, if it has something to do with inequality and there's you know there's a kind of a calming feeling i always tell folks when i think of the holocaust and the tragedy of the holocaust and the fact that it was my ancestors palestinians who lost their land and some lost their lives their livelihood, the human dignity, um, their existence in many ways have been wiped out and some people's passport. I mean, just all of it was in the name of trying to create a safe haven for Jews. So I can't stand by and watch this attack on our freedom of speech and the right to boycott the racist policies of the government and the state of Israel. All Americans have a right, a constitutional right guaranteed by the First Amendment to freedom of speech. To petition their government and to participate in boycotts. Americans of conscience have long and proud history of participating in boycotts, specifically to advocate for human rights abroad. Americans boycotted Nazi Germany in response to dehumanization, imprisonment, and genocide of Jewish people.
0: All right, hour two, Sean Hannity Show, eight hundred nine four one, Sean toll-free telephone number. There is no courage on the part of the Democratic leadership to take on virulent anti-Semitism. There's none. They have been, Israel has been and is our closest ally in the Middle East. The only democracy in the middle east i'm listening to these cuts of omar and talib um do they not know what life is like for women in some of these countries that practice sharia law and that women are told what to wear whether they can even drive if they can travel if even going out in public without a male re- relative in some cases or marital rape doesn't exist in some of these countries uh we see under Sharia that there are gays and lesbians murdered just for being who they are. And of course, if you want to build a ma- a, a, a a temple or a church, that is forbidden. A Christian church that would not happen. Um, where is the where is the courage of convictions? How do you say things like it's all about the Benjamins, baby? Or how do you uh, say? as in the case of Omar, that Israel's evil and that may Allah awaken everybody. How do you compare the state of Israel in any way to Nazi Germany, which seems to be a a favorite analogy of the squad, be it the detention centers or Israel? It is pretty unbelievable uh, or writing for Louis Farrakhan's magazine the way Congresswoman Talib did. Anyway, uh, joining us to talk about this and other issues, uh, our friend, Professor Alan Dershowitz, defending Israel, the story of my relationship with my most challenging client. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. It was amazing to just listen to some of the lies that came out of the lips of those two They are lies. It's not—no, um, no, no, no it's—professor, wor- it, it's worse than lies. Oh, I know. This I know. is, this it, is virulent idea. anti-Semitism.
7: Yeah. The idea that Israel discriminates based on religion, Israel is the nation-state of the Jewish people. The Palestinian authority that they support have in their constitution— that Palestine will be a Muslim state and no Jew will be allowed ever to own property there. In Israel, under its Declaration of Independence and under its basic laws, there's complete equal rights for Muslims, Christians, and Jews. Uh, Yes, it's the nation-state of the Jewish people, but when you compare the rights that Arabs have in Israel with the rights that Arabs have in every Muslim country in the world, it's, it's just shocking. And I lay this all out in my new book, Defending Israel, I make the case for why being anti-Israel is essentially being anti-American. <clears throat> and today, being anti-Israel <clears throat> has become a surrogate for being anti-Trump. You know, if Trump does anything pro-Israel, like recognizing Jerusalem as the capital, and I was there when the— well,
0: Empire, Or the sovereignty or of Israel with Golan. I well mean, that— Golan
7: Heights. Right. It's immediately opposed because Trump did it. if. Obama had done it, the same people who opposed it would be supporting it. One of the reasons that Israel has become my most challenging client, which is the subtitle of my book, is because today people who are anti-American, people who are anti-Trump, people who are anti-civil
0: liberties
7: present Israel as the paradigm for everything that's wrong it's become a surrogate for being anti-american
0: you know i i don't know if i would say it that way i i don't know but i will say this that if a republican if a conservative uh so callously and thoughtlessly and frankly recklessly compares the detention center with people that didn't obey our laws, borders, sovereignty, separate issue. But, you know, when we sent, for example, Griff Jenkins down to the border in the detention center, it had a soccer field, it had rec facilities, it had TVs, they had telephones, they had beds, they had pillows and blankets, diapers and baby formula and medical attention available 24-7 with all appropriate medicines... I cannot accept when we know it's a historical fact that over six million Jews were slaughtered in the Holocaust, and the the the, the reckless and cavalier comparisons with detention centers, Nazi Germany, or Israel, just like boycotting Nazi Germany, is, unac- is unacceptable, Professor. It's outrageous, and you know, boycotts are very questionable. The Ku Klux
7: Klan boycotted black businesses. Would these members of Congress support that uh, boycott? You're allowed to advocate a boycott under the First Amendment, But when you practice discrimination based on religion or national origin, that's illegal. It's just as illegal to discriminate against black people as it is to discriminate against people who are from Israel or Israeli companies. And so we have to distinguish between the First Amendment, which protects their right to advocate a boycott. But it doesn't protect their right to practice a boycott. But let me practicing ask you though,
0: boycott is practicing discrimination. Well, first of all, historically, this is Israel is the Jewish homeland. So we have right. a, a 1948 partition plan, and Ben Gurion reaches out his hand of of good neighborliness and and friendship, and is attacked the next day. Then we have 67, 73. And, you know, then we I when I went there in the last conflict with the tunnels and you know, there's a town uh where you can look out, it's called Sarot. Sarot. Sayrote. Say I've in there, too. Yeah. OK. Yeah. I, I go to the police station and I see 10,000 rockets fired in 10 years. Right. I see the recovered right. rockets. Kids can't play outside because yeah. it's in such close proximity to Gaza.
7: that I s- was there when a rocket hit just uh, a very short distance away from me. I was mm. in a synagogue. Celebrating a Jewish holiday, and they always target the synagogues. They they target school buses. They target children playgrounds. Uh, Their goal is to kill as many people. And so Israel is then induced to fire back. And occasionally a Palestinian child is killed, and they then hold them up and show them on television. I call it the dead baby strategy. They kill Israeli babies, and then they hold up their children. Who are used as human shields
0: to protect. Professor, it's even worse. There's indoctrination of kids with cartoons. Mm -hmm. Here's the problem, though. We see the rise of of virulent anti-Semitism in Europe. We look at the New York Times. Look at the cartoons they published. Right. Um, You know, we disagree on politics, Professor. But this Mm -hmm. is about. Just historical fact, and what's so shocking about the Democratic Party is they've abandoned Israel, in my view. They're allowing virulent anti-Semitism.
7: Some in the Democratic really? Party who who, have abandoned Israel. Who is, who? I have no doubt about it. Who that. in leadership
0: no. is taking on Omar and Talib the way they should be well, taken on? Absolutely right. They have
7: not shown the courage in taking on the bigotry of these two members of Congress. And look, Israel had the perfect right to exclude them, whether it was a wise decision or not. I would have preferred to invite them to the Holocaust and memorial in Jerusalem to stay rote to to the Golan Heights to see what Israel faces. Professor, I've taken it it one step further.
0: I'm offering to pay for the squad to go Mm -hmm. to Auschwitz and some of the other death camps as long as they take a history lesson. And then when they come back, I'll send them to the detention centers. I'll pay for the whole trip. But Mm -hmm. they have to get they have to agree to to. Listen to the historical facts of what has occurred.
7: Yeah, but we live in a post-fact society and everything today is identity politics. Whose side are you on? Facts don't matter. Uh, We've heard so many misstatements of facts from uh, members of the squad, particularly the two from um, the Midwest. And I just think that uh, they have to be held to account for the lies that they have been telling. And the leaders of the Democratic Party Have to stand up to them, or they're going to lose uh, Americans. Americans support Israel. It's not just the Benjamins. It's not just Jews who support Israel. Israel is widespread support because it's a democracy. It's America's strongest ally. It helps America with intelligence, with developing weapons. It's a great ally, and most Americans support Israel. And when the Democratic Party fails to stand up to two bigots who oppose Israel because it's the nation state of the Jewish people, it's going to hurt them electorally. You know, you're Republican, I'm a Democrat. I don't want to see the Democrats hurt, but I think they're shooting themselves in the foot by some of them abandoning Israel.
0: Many, well, maybe some aren't abandoning Israel, but they certainly aren't taking the moral high ground and speaking out as forcefully. Now, you and I both know that if it was a Republican that said anything near what Talib and Omar have said, that there would mm-hmm. be a very different reaction. This should not be a political issue to me. This is a, this is a moral issue of right and wrong, and I'll, I'll pick it up there. Uh, Professor Alan Dershowitz with us defending Israel, the story of my relationship with my most challenging client. Uh, that's because I've never hired him yet to be my lawyer. I'd be his most challenging client probably. Kidding. I don't need any more lawyers in my life. <laughs> All right. As we continue, Professor uh, Alan Dershowitz is with us. I've very compelling book. Um, It's called Defending Israel, the story of my relationship with my most challenging client. You know, over the years I have I've been very good friends, as you know, with the prime minister. I've known him for 24 years. I've known him forever. And I really think he's a Churchillian figure. And for many years, I think, was the sole voice of moral clarity as it relates to radical Islamists. And but I was also but I knew Ehud Barak and I knew Shimon Peres and I knew many others and had a great relationship with all of them, too. Um, Why do you think it's the conservatives? That are the most that are the strongest supporters of Israel.
7: It's a great question. Yeah, it's a great question. Look, uh, I know all these people too, and I write about each of them in my book. I have a chapter on Ehud Barak. I have a chapter on um, on on President uh, on on Prime Minister Netanyahu and on uh, Shimon Peres. All of them, and they run the gambit uh, from liberal to conservative. And yet, American liberals didn't like Israel when it was controlled by Labor or by the left. Um, reason, uh, it's become a litmus test uh, for uh, liberals, for the left. If you like Israel, you can't be a genuine leftist. Um, Look, if you like America, you can't be a genuine leftist in the minds of some people. Uh, When you have people like Noam Chomsky, uh, they hate America. They hate Israel. And so, the conservatives uh, love America, obviously, and they love Israel. Uh, Some people love Israel for religious reasons. So you should
0: now go out and vote
7: for Donald Trump. That's your answer. Well, I have an open mind as to everything. I I decide my election, my votes at the... Listen, you you take more crap for
0: for being friends with me than you do with him. So don't worry, you're fine.
7: (laughs) I get a little bit from each. I'm on Martha's Vineyard after all.
0: Yeah, and what happened? They they tried to, you know, ostracize Professor Dershowitz, but it didn't work. Well, forget about ostracization. They won't let me speak at the library. They wouldn't
7: allow me to speak on... This is insane.
0: This is That's insane. The this is, yeah. th- th- listen, we better pay attention because the last century, Nazism, fascism, Imperial Japan, communism, Stalin, Mao, uh, run yeah. through the lists, Hitler, uh, Mussolini, Tojo. I am telling you, we lost 100 million souls in the last century. We better pay attention mm-hmm. to this rise in virulent hatred and anti-Semitism.
7: Look, I agree. I wrote an article for GateStone this week talking about the new Stalinism of the woke generation. Um, you know, fortunately another town, I live in Chilmark, they wouldn't allow me to speak in their library. Good but grief. another town, West Tisbury, has invited me to speak about the book tomorrow and there are going to be massive protests. They don't want to hear from me, they don't want to hear about Israel, they don't want to hear at some from somebody who has supported President Trump's rights not to be impeached under the Constitution uh, this, there's so much intolerance here on Martha's Vineyard as there is. Unbelievable. In the country on the left.
0: Yeah. All right, Professor, good luck. We put it on Hannity.com, Amazon.com, bookstores everywhere de- defending Israel. Uh, professor Alan Dershowitz, quick break. When we come back, uh, we'll get an update on all the success that we have had in terms of the witch hunt, what's coming, what the rest of the news media mob will never tell you. Straight ahead.
8: So were all of your memos uh, that you recorded on classified or other documents, uh, memos that might be yours as a private citizen. I'm sorry, I'm not following the question. Well, I think you said you'd use classified, classified. Uh, oh, yeah, not the classified documents. Unclassified. I don't have any of them anymore. But I gave them to the special counsel. But yeah, my view was that the content of those unclassified the memorialization, of those conversations, was my recollection recorded. Senator Grassley, the chairman of the Judiciary Committee, says that there are seven memos. He says four of them are classified. Is that right? I don't know because I don't have the memos. I don't know exactly how many there are. Some may be memos, some may be emails. There's somewhere between five and ten and maybe seven and maybe eight. I don't remember. And I think some of them, I know when I created some of them, they were classified.
9: Presidents tweeted innumerable times calling you a leaker.
8: What's your response to President Trump? Look, it's true. I mean, I'm the one who testified about it. That's how people know about it. I gave that unclassified memo to my friend and asked him to give it to a reporter. That is entirely appropriate.
10: So if you're releasing memos, which may later on be classified, which happened to Hillary Clinton as well, aren't you taking a risk? That you think you know, oh, this is not going to be classified, but it turns out
8: one of them was. I don't think of it as a risk. You're making an educated judgment based on your training and your experience as to what's classified and what's not. But you did leak. uh, You did leak memos. I mean, is it okay for somebody at the FBI to leak something, an internal document, even if it's not classified? Isn't that leaking? There's a whole lot wrong with your question, Anderson. First, I didn't
0: leak memos. Uh, Yeah, you did. Yeah. Yeah, you did. And I love how he says, well, I gave the memos to the special counsel's office. Well, if we're going to be technically accurate, we now know a month after he was fired, he got a visit from people that, oh, used to work for him. And they retrieved the memos. They're the ones that that interrogated Comey. They're the ones that said he lacked candor. And if you listen to all the different answers closely here, what you're hearing is Jim Comey basically missed the super patriot lying through his teeth. That's how I interpret the thing, because he's obfuscating every answer. He knows exactly what he's doing. Um, anyway, we have a lot of deep state news. Glad you're with us. 24 now to the top of the hour, 80941. 941 Great piece by Andy McCarthy that Trump was always the target of the Russia investigation. Uh, this new report is detailing Comey's plan to ambush Donald Trump. This was in the Washington Examiner uh, with the Russian hooker story. And some people even were concerned that he was trying to subtly blackmail the president. We have updates on General Flynn's attorney. Our friend Sidney Powell has petitioned the court to hold Mueller and his gang in contempt and get him kicked off the case. She should absolutely win that motion. And and frankly, the entire plea needs to be withdrawn, considering we now know they purposefully denied General Flynn of his constitutional Uh, rights and his Miranda warning, and we know the information that they had on him. Oh, they obtained illegally through unmasking and raw intelligence that never should have been leaked. And of course, we have Andrew McCabe admitting that, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, I told him he didn't need an attorney. And then Comey bragging, oh, took full advantage of the chaos on day four of the Trump administration. And I did what I'd never do in the Bush or Obama years. And I took advantage of the chaos when he sent his guys in. And this is only the tip of the iceberg. And when you see, you know, that every report now confirming and Andy Biggs, who I'm going to introduce to you in a moment, actually said that he believes that when the IG report on FISA comes out, it will end with indictments. Congressman Andy Biggs of Arizona joins us, as well as Greg Jarrett, Fox News legal analyst. His sequel, Witch Hunt, the story of the greatest mass delusion in American political history. It's out next month. Uh, welcome, both of you. Um, I know a lot of conservatives, including myself. Um, when you look at, let's see, Michael Cohn and General Flynn and Paul Manafort and Papadopoulos, they all got in trouble for lack of candor. Well, why hasn't there been an indictment of McCabe? Why hasn't there been an indictment of Comey just on what we know now before we get into the next IG report? Andy.
4: Yeah, well,
11: Sean... Uh, You're right. I think we all expect accountability here, and I believe that one of the reasons that the IG released this report separately is to kind of isolate what he thought might be a weaker case against James Comey and some of the the other folks that are going to be in there on the FISA. Don't forget Comey's role in the FISA uh, applications. He was reviewing them. He was signing under perjury uh, uh, conditions, and, and he was saying things that we know were not true. And so I would imagine that that's going to end up pushing him right into some uh, some crim- criminal culpability. That's what I would think would happen.
6: I
0: actually agree with your analysis about the attorney general's decision making on this and that he decided not to go with a case where you have to prove intent. Uh, I still think it's a winnable case, but then you have to factor in, well, where's it going to be tried? And that would be the DC right. Circuit, uh, Greg Jarrett, if I'm not wrong. And that makes it an iffy proposition anytime. It's either a Democrat or Republican because the likelihood of having more Democrats on a jury are dramatic, right?
10: It's true. I think in the end, uh, the prosecutors in the attorney general's office said, well, what would Cummings defense be? Only that a few words were actually classified that he didn't view them at the time as classified, even though they were retroactively classified. None of that's actually a defense, but it sounds really good, and it would be to a jury. So I think in the end, they've decided uh, we likely have a much stronger case that will be identified in the forthcoming inspector general's report for lying to a FISA court, deceiving the judges, and concealing vital evidence. So, I agree with the Congressman. I think Comey is in a world of trouble. He signed off on three of the FISA warrants. Uh, McCabe signed off, so he's in jeopardy. Sally Yates, uh, Rod Rosenstein. So, uh, you know, I I think we have to keep our powder dry, wait until the next inspector general uh, report comes forward, uh, and then, you know, let loose, because I I think it's going to be damning and ugly, as Lindsey Graham called it.
0: You know, I always like to judge these things, Congressman uh, Biggs. uh, You know, what would happen to Hannity? You know, I'm just wondering. For example, if I had top secret classified information that I put on a private server that the Chinese apparently were hacking into and Peter Strzok didn't care about, but putting that aside... Or if I had a subpoena, let's say, from a committee you're on in Congress, and I decided to delete those emails and clean my hard drive and have an aide bust up my devices with hammers and remove SIM cards, or if I'm warned about a certain uh, document known as a dossier that is paid for by an opposition party candidate, and I use it as the basis for the application to spy on an American citizen and a backdoor way to spy on a... Presidential candidate, then a transition team, then a president. Why do I think what would happen to Hannity or anyone else, the rest of us, meaning we smelly Walmart voters uh, and Trump supporters, shoppers at Walmart, uh, irredeemable deplorables? Why do I think that most of us would be treated very differently?
11: Because I think you're looking at this rationally, Sean, because the reality is virtually anybody else other than Hillary Clinton or a top-level Democrat is going to be treated exactly as you say. We're going to be indicted. We're going to have to defend this thing. It's going to affect our lives, perhaps uh, our, our finances. And the reality is you saw people at the top of the DOJ and the FBI use their power apparatus to basically shelter Hillary Clinton because she was a powerful Democrat leader and that they thought she was going to be president. And when President Trump came in, we we heard Struck talk about insurance policy. They wanted to derail. Do
0: president you agree Trump's with Mayor Giuliani, who said this weekend that, in fact, Comey was attempting to frame the president, pointing exactly to what you just mentioned, the infamous insurance policy note to Lisa Page. And do you agree with that?
11: Yes, I think I think it was uh, more than just a frame. I think it was basically a a coup attempt, quite frankly. It was a soft coup attempt.
0: Do you believe why do you think if if John Solomon and I are right, he thinks, well, we're going to have the FISA IG report. Then we're probably going to have a report on leaking, so my sources tell me. But then I have sources telling me that with all the time that Durham has now spent abroad in Europe, Talking to, let's say, Christopher Steele for 16 hours, but more importantly, digging down deep and whether or not, uh, in fact, American intelligence gathering uh, and spying on Americans happened illegally circumventing American laws by subcontracting or outsourcing the intelligence gathering to allied countries. Do you believe that took place? I do. I do. I think I think this was a setup from the very beginning. Who would be involved in that? Would that be Brennan? Would that be Clapper? Would that be Comey? Who do you think's involved?
11: Yes, yes, and yes, and it could go higher than that and I suspect it did. You were you were looking at the use of the of the national intelligence apparatus as well as our police state for political purposes. And they I mean, the George Papadopoulos thing looks and smells like an absolute setup of a very, uh, you know, with all due respect to Mr. Papadopoulos, a rather inconsequential, tangential person related to the Trump campaign. And that just, it looks and smells like an entrapment. And I I, I tend to think that when all the evidence comes out, that's what we're going to see. And then people need to be fired and go to prison
0: for that. What do you think, Greg Jarrett? Do you believe all that happened?
10: I do, and I think John Brennan is at the center of it. As I call him in, in both books, he's the instigator of this.
0: Why do you think people well, like... Wait a minute. Epidopolis... Is he the instigator of this, or is Andy McCarthy right in saying that any counterintelligence um, operation begins in the Oval Office and would be a president's counterintelligence well, operation? That would be Barack Obama, the president of the time.
10: It's both because the instigator Brennan is acting on behalf of the existing president of the United States, which is Barack Obama. I mean, Carter Page and uh, George Papadopoulos were lured overseas, and they were the subject of a CIA, FBI uh, undercover informant target, uh, more than one of them. Uh, and it was paid for with essentially hidden money from the Pentagon uh, to the tune of about a half a million dollars that was paid to Stefan Halper we don't know how much other money exchanged hands as well. So yes, um, the American intelligence communities, plural, were outsourcing or subcontracting, as you say, their dirty work because laws prohibit them from doing so on American soil. So, you know, this is the tip of the iceberg. I think there are things in this that will shock everyone that we don't Yet, no. And as to your original point, Comey, Brennan, Clapper and Mike Rogers set up a trap in January of 2017, an ambush of Trump to try to ensnare him into saying something incriminating about the so-called P tape. Comey misled and lied to Trump telling him he wasn't being investigated, when in fact he was. And as the most recent last week's IG reports out, Comey and his cohorts had a whole scheme of how Comey would jump in his waiting SUV, start furiously typing and transcribing what Trump said, in that set up meeting, what does it tell us? Trump was set up.
0: We'll take a break. We'll come back more with Congressman Andy Gibbs and more with Greg Jarrett. We'll update you on the hurricane. Joe Bastardi, our official meteorologist, will join us, and then we'll get to your calls next half hour. Eight hundred nine four one. Sean is a number. All right. Final moments as we continue with Congressman Andy Biggs and Greg Jarrett. Then we'll get an update on the weather with Joe Bastardi and your calls coming up next. Uh, all right. So what happens, Greg Jarrett? Do you agree with Congressman Andy Biggs that there'll be indictments when the FISA report comes out?
10: I, I think there'll be criminal referrals made to the Department of Justice think Durham already knows what they are. They might actually have already been made. Remember, uh, before last week's IG report, um, it was preceded by criminal referral against James Comey. So I think uh, those referrals probably have already occurred.
0: What do you think? And. Uh- Congressman Biggs, do you believe that? Because I know if, if they get away with this, to me, forget it. The Constitution, you might as well shred it. There's no equal justice or equal application of our laws and we'll have a dual justice system.
11: Well, I, I agree with Greg, Sean. I, I think that some of the referrals have already been made and I think it's going to be a, a, a bloody disgusting report when we see it, and and you know what? I, I think people are going to be held accountable. I, I got to believe that, because otherwise, you're right, and we have a two-tiered subject. Would uh, we need a
0: grand jury that. necessarily for that to happen, or couldn't the Attorney General do it on his own? Last question, Greg.
10: Under federal law, you have to have a, a grand jury for any felony indictment. So uh, prosecutors may have considered already the FISA criminal referrals, and they may soon convene a grand jury. We'll wait and see
0: all right thank you very much both of you 800-941-SEAN all right the latest on the hurricane uh, from hell hurricane dorian and now slowly creeping its way towards the eastern coast of the u.s and that means florida georgia south carolina and straight up the eastern seaboard we'll get to that and your calls coming up straight ahead
2: i've been in and out of afghanistan and iraq 28 times I've been in and out of Iraq and Afghanistan over 29 times. I've been in and out of Afghanistan and
3: Iraq over 30 times. At the PRT, in a makeshift meeting room surrounded by rocks, mud, and sandbags, but filled with flat screens and computers, a two-star general traveling with us performed an impromptu award ceremony. He gave a bronze star to a corporal who looked to me to be about
2: 25 years old. I found myself in Iraq being asked by General Ordiano, a four star, to pin a silver medal on a young captain. I had been asked in a forward operating base in the middle of a godforsaken nowhere in the upper Konar Valley in Afghanistan. To pin a silver star on a young, coincidentally, Navy captain in what they call a FOB, a forward operating base. I pinned medals on silver stars on soldiers up in the upper Konar Valley in the middle of a firestorm the poor guys have gone through. Young Navy captain, Navy, Navy, up in the mountains in the Konar Valley in Afghanistan.
3: Who had pulled a badly wounded gunner to safety, returning fire to repel the enemy, and then, and then keeping his buddy alive
2: until medevac arrived. Who had pulled someone out of a burning Humvee, risking his life. One of his buddies got shot, fell down a ravine about 60 feet. This guy climbed down a ravine, carried this guy up on his back under fire. He had gone down a ravine, to rescue one of his men who had been shot, brought him back under hail of gunfire, was wounded,
3: but the young man died. I know it sounds a little corny, but uh, I don't think there was a, uh, a dry eye in the house.
2: And the general wanted me to pin the Silver Star on him. And When I went to pin it on him in front of the entire brigade, I went to pin the Silver Star with General Rodriguez, pinned the generals, the silver star on his chest. I got up there and stand and said, God's truth, my word is abiding. He stood at attention. I went to pin him, I said, sir, I don't want the damn thing. He stood at me, looked at me, said, sir, I don't want the medal. I don't want the medal. I don't want it, sir. He died. He died. I don't deserve it. Do not pin it on me, sir. Please, sir, do not do that. He died. He died. He died, Mr. Vice President. I don't want the medal. How many nights does that kid go to sleep seeing that image in his head, dealing with it?
4: Not judgment, then, Mr. President. No, no, not judgment, but details. Detail. That's something I've heard from some voters, maybe not at your events, but well, details. No,
2: but the details are irrelevant in terms of decision making. If, in fact, I forget that it was... Rodriguez of all the times I've been in and out of Afghanistan and Iraq and Bosnia and Kosovo as much as anybody, except maybe my deceased friend John McCain and maybe Lindsey Graham. And so the fact that I would forget that it was Rodriguez who was pinning and I believe this is the case, pinning a bronze star on a young man uh, was it, it's, it, it's irrelevant to the point. It's like saying I had this very bright reporter and I think her eyes were blue. What difference would it make about whether you were a bright reporter? Your eyes are brown. It's irrelevant and you know it.
0: All right. There it is. I I don't even know whether sleepy, creepy, crazy Uncle Joe fits anymore. But Joe Biden does not sound together. And I'm being charitable. But he tells stories. Others might use the word lie. Um, There's something radically wrong with this guy. I don't know what it is. I do not make medical diagnosis on radio or TV. I'm not saying medically. There's something wrong. There's something off here. This, this I, I mean, it's one after another. I've been there 28 times, not 29 times. I've been there third. I, I pinned it up. I didn't. Two, four star, two star. I did it, did it. And on top of everything else that we've gone through, you know, I love the state of Vermont, New Hampshire. I, I, it's, it's amazing to me.
5: My and favorite. What's your Joe. favorite?
0: Three, uh, well, no, Joe. no, I do three, love that. Three o, oh, three, three o. Oh. Wow. I love
5: when he says, "Ah, stand up, Chuck. Oh, God, love you. God, love you. God, ya. love you." Uh-huh. I'm like,
0: what a fool. Oh, your mom died. Oh no. Oh, she's still alive. Oh, she's live. still alive no. and well. God bless
5: oh, fantastic. her. Fantastic. You know, bless this is, her.
0: This is the first time in in history we have a mainstream African American who's who's bright and articulate and clean. Storybook, man. Storybook, man. Very important. Yeah, and we take truth over facts any day. <laughs> it's like. The details are irrelevant. Joe, 3033L. Anyway, we got to bring into the fun here Kaylee McEnany, National Press Secretary for Trump 2020, and Jeff Lord, author of the bestseller Swamp Wars Donald Trump, the New American Populism versus the Old Order. Uh, all right, uh, he's still the front runner. Everybody's writing every article, but he showed up as the number one in every poll, but they don't want him to be in public. And I think David Axelrod, uh, Jeff Lord nailed it when he said either you can cut it or you can't. And I don't think he's cutting it.
4: Yeah, I think that's exactly right. You know what's happening in I was going to say slow motion, but it's an increasingly rapid motion is he keeps doing this over and over and over and over again. It's now September. And we all know that from now until Election Day, things are going to ratchet up and ratchet up. And in his case, as a candidate in the primary, this is going to go on and he'll get on that ballot in New Hampshire and he'll be under a lot of pressure. And these things are going to keep happening. And, you know, it's something else I got to say.
0: Where is his staff? I, I, I mean, how how does the staff to, control? Well, well, slow down. How does the staff control this? You can't control it. Well, the only, I mean, the only it, thing they could do is stick them on a teleprompter. How are you going to do that at a town hall? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, they should have some idea of what he's saying and they should sit down and go over it. Are they going to teleprompter the debate with Donald Trump if he ever got the nomination? Because that ain't going to fly either.
4: That's right. I mean, this is a real problem. And, you know, one of these days, Sean, you're going to be on the air and and the straw that breaks the camel's back is going to happen. I mean, I just think this is is it going to be
0: before or after the nominating process?
4: Well, I think it could easily be before, but most certainly it's going to happen for sure if he gets nominated during the general election, without question. Kaylee.
12: Yeah, Sean, it's it's incredible. This guy has completely lost it. And I'm so glad at the top of this you mentioned the word Lie. Uh, I was on Cuomo last week, and he said that I lost all credibility because I refused to say the president lies. I don't believe the president lies. I think it's a ridiculous notion. But it's amazing to me how charitable and forgiving and kind CNN and MSNBC and the fake news media is. Anytime Joe Biden messes up, oh, that's Uncle Joe. It's a gaffe. No, it was five lies in a row. And every day we see things from Joe. Some may be gassed, uh, but it's amazing how charitable they are with Joe Biden doing something wrong as opposed to Donald Trump. He
0: looks it looks he looks frail to me, Jeff Lord. He looks frail. Yes,
4: he does. Yes, he does. He looks it and he sounds it. And as somebody who spent my fair share of time with seniors. Um, you know, this is not good. Well, I You're mean, saying I, that I'm because you. I don't, diet- I, listen, I'm diet- not, I don't, diet- don't
0: want to diagnose. I don't know. I, right. he, he has done this all of his life, but I'm looking at him and he, he just is not, doesn't seem to have the energy, the, the I don't know, alertness. Maybe it's just like, he seems checked out, put it any and way you want. It's
4: going to hurt him in the fall. If he gets that far.
0: Well, I mean now I read a interesting piece and this came from Politico and it's now Warren, Biden, Sanders and then everyone else and that the bottom is falling out of the Democratic primary and there's a top tier. It used to be five candidates, but you know, it's becoming more insurmountable. It looks like Kamala Harris has just fallen back and Buddha Judge, Mayor Pete, who can't even run, you know, South Bend, uh, Indiana, he's not doing well. So who gets the nomination, Kaylee?
12: Yeah, I I actually think it's going to be Bernie or Warren. Uh, What's going to happen is as all of these far leftists fall off, you're going to see their one, their two, their 3% uh, gather and aggregate into the corner of Sanders and Warren because that's where the Democrat Party stands today. And, And what could really happen, Sean, is this could go to a broker Democratic convention where no one wins on the first ballot because everyone's getting a plurality, and on the second ballot, all of a sudden, those super delegates come in, uh, they're reenfranchised, they get to vote, and you have the DNC once again rigging an election. Uh, likely going for Joe.
0: So yeah, so, so you're, you're thinking for- the only way he gets it is a brokered convention, but I thought they supposedly had yes. changed the rules regarding super delegates, didn't they?
12: They did. They changed them, but they're allowed to come in in the event of a second ballot. So if no one wins an outright majority support, uh, they could rig this election once again as they did before.
0: Well, you know, I don't know why. It sounds like I'm the only one that cared that they rigged the election, uh, Jeff Lord. <laughs> <for> pro <Pearl laughs> Bernie Sanders. I'm more angry about it just out of principle that Hillary did that, then I guess Bernie is, which shocks me. Why Why aren't people well, more well, so concerned I'm, about that?
4: I may have said this to you before, but I'll say it again. When I was in Philadelphia at the Democratic Convention and walked into the hall the first night, I was stopped by a, a self-identified Bernie delegate who recognized me from TV. This woman was so angry and she said, and I'm quoting almost verbatim, hell will freeze over before I lift a finger to help Hillary Clinton. I think they are perilously close to getting into that position with a Democratic establishment again and a Joe Biden nomination. All
0: right. So then let's assume that we're right here and it's going to be Warren and Sanders, or at least as as of this moment, they seem to be in the lead. Now the question becomes, all right, now they're going to run on what? The new Green Deal? They're going to run on Medicare for all? They're going to run on yeah. a wealth tax? They're going to run on, you know, what failed every time it's been tried before and Trump is setting record after record on the economy, Kaylee?
12: Yeah, that's what they'll run on. And Democrats' own internal poll, as published by Axios, shows that socialism, which All of those policies you name fall under that banner gets a whopping 18 percent support. So they're going to run on something, try to make it sound good, entice the nation. But they're going to run into problems, especially when you talk about abolition of private insurance, as Warren has talked about in Sanders. uh, Abortion until birth, that has an abysmal 13 percent approval rating. I mean, they are going to be the party uh, that can only garner 13, 14 percent support. And then the other Democrats who swallow the pill and vote for it. But they lose in a landslide uh, with those two candidates, no doubt.
0: Well, I don't know. I don't like to make predictions because you never know. Jeff Lord and I were a little bit older, Kaylee, And I'm just (laughs) I'm just maybe it's this Irish superstition thing that I have. I'm like, uh, don't jinx it. And, you know, but you don't know what the issue is going to be in the final week of October of 2020 and leading into this election, we don't know. And that that's always a problem, Jeff.
4: Yeah, I think there are two things that the president is onto and focused on like a laser. The second one is socialism. The first is the media, that his real opponent, in 2020 isn't any of these candidates, it's the media out to do him in because of the contempt they have for his supporters and average Americans. And I think he'll make it an issue. And I think there will be a lot of response to it.
0: But I'll tell you, I think the the backlash is real. It's palpable. You guys both see it. You're in the media every day. And uh, anyway, we'll take a quick break. More with J- Jeff Lord, Kaylee McEnany.
8: I've been saying for about two years that I hope we have a recession. And people get mad at me as Sean Hannity thinks I'm actually causing a recession. I, I'm just saying we can survive a recession. He's taking out recession insurance. Things are going to start to turn down, and he's desperately trying to blame somebody else when the bad news comes. There's lots of lots
5: of little indicators that say to me things are going south.
0: All right, as we continue, Kaylee McEnany is with us along with Jeff Lord, and uh, we're talking about all right the Democratic Party. Where do, you mentioned the media, Jeff Lord. And I want Kaylee to weigh in on this and that they're going to be the biggest contributor to the Democratic candidate, whoever it happens to be. And, you know, their their rage psychosis against Trump is every second minute hour of every 24 hour day, every day of the year. Here's my question, though. What about Google? What about Facebook? What about Twitter? You know, the things that we're learning about the control of information and the the mass reach that these particular platforms now have, why is that not viewed as an in-kind donation if they're setting up algorithms to sabotage one candidate over another?
4: They absolutely should be. I mean, this is the newest version of the liberal media, if you will, the high tech end version of it. But I do think they're going to be called out. And I think that there will be, uh, you know, some lawyers on the task and others. Uh, Ted Cruz has been very upfront about this kind of thing. And I do think they're going to go after him and they should. What do you think, Kaylee McEnany? Yeah.
12: I, yeah, I think we have to go after them. I mean, you saw the video uh, or tape, rather, those Google employees just moaning the election of President uh, Donald Trump. So absolutely, it's an in-kind contribution. But I will say this, Sean, we have the data uh, and the sophistication uh, with the campaign and the RNC that we can use their platforms and outsmart them because we have the data to target the swing voters. So we will outsmart them, but we must target them for their wrongdoing.
0: Well, I'll tell you, I don't know. I mean, it's it, it, the reach is... And the magnitude of that reach is so powerful. Yes. And if they're picking and choosing who it is that they want, or the stories that they want to be prominent, that that's troubling to me. Uh, all right, both have been great. Kaylee McEnany, National Press Secretary, Trump 2020 Campaign. Jeff Lord, thank you. Eight hundred nine four one. Sean, we'll get an update on the hurricane. With. Yeah. Hurricane Joe Bustardi will join us and tell us what happened in 1928, because that's really relevant to today. Well,
5: sometimes it is.
0: It, I love Joe. Joe's like our buddy. We love him. Well, but he but he always gives the what's good about him giving the history. Well, just now that you're asking, is that, oh, maybe it's not global warming. Or the new ice age coming, or climate change? Maybe the climate. Maybe climate has always had fluctuations up and down. Da, 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 da. That's a good answer, right? I agree. All right, quick break. Eight hundred nine four one. Sean is our number. We'll continue. All right, twenty five till the top of the hour. Eight hundred nine four one. Sean, you want to be a part of this extravaganza? Uh, Before we get to the calls, he's the official meteorologist of the Sean Hannity show. We kid him because he's going to give us a reference to some hurricane that happened in 1842, 52, 82, you know, but he has so much knowledge that he loves to share. And there are a lot of parallels to the patterns of these hurricanes and they do have historical significance. Our friend at WeatherBell.com, Joe Bastardi, I'm really unfair to you. I need to be nicer. Because you you know you're, you're you're a great guy and you do you usually get it right.
1: Yeah, well, you don't have to
0: be nice. I mean, none of my friends are nice to me, so we'll,
1: <laughs> yeah, I consider you my friend. So <laughs> but uh,
0: uh, uh, hey, well, y'all know we're just teasing you because we like you.
1: Yeah, uh, well, that's okay. And, uh, hey, uh, 1932. Uh, this storm looks to me like it beat the uh, benchmark in uh, Abaco and uh, Grand Bahama. The 1932 a hurricane in the uh, northern Bahamas was just uh, same kind of situation, but unlike 1932, this one is going to keep coming toward the United States. The 32 hurricane recurved uh, out to sea and missed the United States by a few hundred miles. By the way, I want to
0: and I th- want to point out Hannity's prediction that we were going to go way back in time is correct. Keep going. Well, I want to do that because, of course, we have
1: the climate ambulance chasers who don't want you to know that. That's a good
0: point. Things- We've had these hurricanes throughout history and you know them all. That's what makes it significant. You're yeah, right. Uh, yeah. But,
1: but in any case, uh, if you uh, folks, if you could think back to hurricane Matthew, that's just two years ago. That's going to be the most likely result on the Florida coast, the Georgia coast, up to about Charleston, South Carolina. Now let's remember what Matthew weakened. And this is weakening, but it's going to stay a big storm. Remember what happened with Sandy. What did Sandy have 80 mile an hour winds, but they were spread out all over the place. So that's what's going on here. The storms winds are spreading out. They're not as focused as the center, but like Sandy, they continually piling water up into areas where it can't get out at, at low tide. And so What happens is when the storm, let's say, approaches Charleston and uh, the tides are three, four feet above normal, and then you start pushing the storm surge into there or close to there, guess what's going to happen? And uh, they broke their all-time title record with uh, with Matthew, and I think they're going to beat that with this. Uh, now, the difference with Matthew is that Matthew, after uh, brushing Cape Romaine, South Carolina, turned east out to sea, this one's going to continue to pick off Cape Fear, Cape Lookout, go just west of Hatteras. We believe that's... We've had that track for four days. We're sticking to it. It goes out between Duck and Cape Hatteras, and then its final uh, mischief might be taking a swipe at Southeast New England. I don't think yet it's going to get back as far as... Let's Say causing problems in New York City and uh, interior New England, but they said, you know, Cape and uh, Cape and Outer Islands. I worry about
0: hurricane conditions. Look, I'm I'm not a meteorologist, and I, we love you for your knowledge. But I look at the track; it still like looks like there's going to be a major storm surge, especially in Florida and the coastal yeah. areas of Georgia. But I'm looking right at Charleston, and it doesn't look great.
1: No, that Charleston looks to me uh, as far as uh, uh, the major city on the. Uh, southeast coast to be the one where uh the one where things would be the worst the combination of tidal flooding i think they get wind gusts 60 to 80 miles an hour out of the north probably sustained 45 50 that starts knocking down trees and power lines the rainfall 6 to 12 locally 15 inches from southeast georgia into southeast virginia i want to talk to folks in tidewater now uh what happens sometimes is with these hurricanes around tidewater is you know how the strongest part of the storm is usually near the center and just east of it but there's a peculiar effect that occurs in the southern end of chesapeake bay and what happens is the wind comes down the chesapeake bay but it's converging with winds coming from the north northeast out of the Atlantic, and it accelerates the wind in. So all of a sudden, you start seeing. Wait a minute, a hurricane force wind gust at Norfolk, and the storm's 120 miles to the south. So it, it's going to probably get pretty rough.
0: Yeah, uh, I think we're losing Joe. All right, so why is it moving so slow? I mean, we we have covered a lot of hurricanes Sean, together over the years. By the way, and I feel so awful for the people in the Bahamas. I mean, I'm yeah. scared to death to get. You know a death toll update from that because it just stuck there yeah, forever. Well,
1: the, yeah, the 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 interesting thing about that is you know I have clients in the Bahamas and uh, we try to warn them well in advance on this. So hopefully things did everybody things, uh, get out. Uh, oh, well, I'm not sure because you know, the the person I talked to, the contact Nassau Port. Uh, uh, you know, we say, hey, this is going to happen. It's going to be a worse hurricane. Uh, for uh, Abaco and uh, Grand Bahama. And then the uh, the authorities, I have I'm friends with the head of the Bahamian Weather Service. So I'm sure he was trying to get those people out of there from three, four days ahead. But uh, at least, uh, what was the question, by the way?
0: I guess- but, but no, you said, no, I mean, uh, why did it stay in one spot? Oh. Why is this thing not moving? Okay, well, as marvelous as majestic as these things look, they're corks in
1: a stream. And when the stream flow collapses, the cork doesn't go anywhere.
0: By the way, and only that, a a you know storm chaser like Joe Pistardi will look at a hurricane and think, God, that is majestic. I well, I, I don't mean, know if that's the, the picture, exact word. I mean, look no, look the at pi- the devastation. The pictures are awe inspiring, but you don't like what's going on
1: underneath them if it's over land, obviously. But uh, but again, you know, the old school, and I'm an old school guy. My you know my dad's a meteorologist, and he taught me all these me- methods. You got to try to envision what the total atmosphere looks like around the storm, and so when the Steering currents collapse completely because the storm is trying to find a way to come northward, right? So it's looking, it's almost like a, a tailback trying to figure out which hole to run through, bust through the eight man front. And so what happens is it gets caught and it stops for a while. And that this stopping was well predicted. I, you know, I, I tweeted out something Friday night that said that this is going to be 24 to 48 hours. Of this hammering away at Grand Bahama, and uh, that you know that's a storm stalling. But look, folks, you see, you see what happens here. We had a storm in '54, Hurricane Carroll. It stalled for two or three days around the Bahamas, but 150 miles to the north, so they did not get it. Eventually, Carroll came up to Providence and Montauk. So there are parallels. If you look around, you can see them, and uh, you know that's why the that's why the storm wasn't moving very fast.
0: My look, I know this is cliched, and I know. You know, people are going to do what they're going to do. And some people are stubborn and they say, well, I wrote out this hurricane, that hurricane. I just my my advice is there's no amount of property that's worth your life. It's just not worth it. And I I think everybody should heed the warnings. And the worst case scenario is you went away from the hurricane that was coming for nothing. Okay, so what? You wasted a little time. You can go to Cracker Barrel when you are driving. I mean... You got options here.
1: Yeah. Well, the other thing is to uh, remember that if you start flooding, your house is surrounded by water. How are these people going to get in? I mean, they, uh, they,
0: good they point. They can't help here. you. So they, uh, that's the they point. They can't help you. All right. We'll they see you on TV you tonight. Exactly right. WeatherBell.com. Joe Bastardi, eight hundred nine four one. Sean is our number. While you're alive, I love Cracker Barrel. Cracker Barrel has the best meatloaf I've ever had in my life except for my own I have the best meatloaf recipe ever, um, and it came from Aunt Teddy, if, for those of you that sweet baby James's wife, my sister, that's who he's married to. Anyway, long story short, so, um, and they have, when I used to be able to eat pancakes, back in the old days, when I was skinnier and didn't have to worry about, you know, my, my slowing metabolism, which is driving me nuts, the pancakes and bacon with real maple syrup is nothing better. It's got like a bourbony maple syrup taste to it. It's so good. It's like the greatest thing ever. If you go to a Cracker Barrel, you go inside a Cracker, and they have all the old candy that I used to love as a kid, and they sell all the you know old like style toys, at, like Slinkies. Remember a Slinky? If you don't know what a Slinky is? You're a millennial, and you think yours is the greatest generation ever because your purview is that limited. Like AOC, I'm kidding. Can you imagine? She said that. I love Scott Walker. Oh just brutal in and in a takedown uh, i i it's it's so narcissistic of her to think well this is the greatest only activist generation ever i'm like um did you ever hear of the civil rights movement did you ever hear of you know the hippie movement the you know they, 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 there are a lot of protests that have gone on in this country anyway let's get to our phones uh all right we have Peters in savannah in georgia Savannah is one of the most beautiful old town southern cities you'll ever see, uh, with Tybee Island nearby. I mean, it's it's a stunning place. How are you, uh, Peter? Welcome uh, to the program. Sorry, what's headed your way? I know it's not going to be fun.
9: Good afternoon, Sean. Thank you for taking my call. What's going on? Well, with the storm, you, and I appreciate you know, you, Savannah. You're right. Savannah's a very beautiful city, especially with Tybee Island, Wilmington Island, and Thunderbolt, and the areas outside of Savannah. Right now, I mean, this is my Fourth hurricane season down here. I'm originally from Syracuse, New York. I moved down here my fiancé three and a half years ago. And what Joe brought up about Matthew is he's right. We're watching the storm very closely. It's following the same track that Matthew did. So we're just right now in a wait-and-see kind of thing. If more, most of the county is already under a mandatory evacuation. They started that 8 o'clock this morning through Governor Council. And they started the Contraflow on I-16, which is the evacuation route for years, here on the coastal Georgia. What that means for any of your listeners that don't know is that... that Eastbound are are Eastbound you a
0: meteorologist? You're beginning to sound like Joe. You're scaring me. Are are you a meet, <laughs> How do you know so much about weather? Uh, to be honest, Sean, it's kind of a hobby of mine. I don't know.
9: I know uh, jack of all trees, master of none, my sir. <laughs>
0: well, well, let me ask you this. Did you ever want to go out and do the storm chasing thing? I think the guys that do it are nuts, but it's cool nuts. It's like you know, kind of gutsy thing to do.
9: You're right. And it is kind of, and he's right. It's kind of majestic when you look at it from a distance, but when you're up to that, up close and personal, I tell you, it's. All
0: right. Everything in God's creation is majestic, but majestic is not the adjective I use when, you know, devastation is right in the middle of that sucker. I, I. You're darn right, and my
9: fiance thought I was nuts for even think about that. She looked at me. Are you out of your darn mind? <laughs> Listen,
0: I, I look. There's no limit. There's there's no way we as human beings will ever understand the majesty of God. And no, sir. It just is, it's like God questioning Job in the Bible. Uh, hey, uh, where were you when I set the foundation for the earth? Hey, where were you? And obviously. Or God, I am. Tell you, tell him, I am sent you. Well, that means that God doesn't live in a time world. God always was, always will be, and we're not meant to know that stuff at this point in our existence. And it's like the you're point correct. I made Job earlier an too. One example. Go ahead. Job is an excellent example, no
9: matter how bad you're going through your life. Listen to the story of Job and everything he went through. That's all you got to know.
0: All right. Thank you for a great call. Appreciate it. Did you notice we got a lot of reaction? Linda, to the I said earlier in the program that we don't own anything. Everybody thinks. And I remember how I felt when I bought my I called it my first house. I owned a house. I don't own that house because the bottom line is we all think we own stuff. We don't own anything. We're all renters. And the reason we rent is because when you drop dead one day, very uplifting conversation, but you are going to drop dead one day. I don't know anyone that's lived forever yet. And when you ha- that happens, guess what? Somebody else is living in the house you own. Somebody's driving the car you own. Somebody's wearing the watch or the jewelry you own. Unless, I guess, you put it on you as part of your uh, last will and living trust that you want to be buried in your beautiful watch or buried in a car. And I know people have done that. But the bottom line is we, we're all renters. We don't own anything. And that's why I don't like to get attached to crap. Why? You, why? Why with the face? Why?
5: No, no. I mean, listen, it's uh, we
0: rent. It's true. We all rent. We
5: can't argue this point.
0: You re- you bought a home not that long ago. You love your home. You mm-hmm. think you would say I own that home, right?
5: I always say it, it's funny. I always say I mortgage that home.
0: OK, but the bottom line is it's your home. Yes, you own it.
5: I'm paying rent. I can knock down the walls if I want to.
0: OK, no, you're a renter. When but you, the difference
5: is you're a the lot younger than is, I am.
0: When you drop dead one day, someone else is going to live in that home you own.
5: I tell you, this Labor Day weekend really got you in a good place, huh? Talking about death and all the stuff I'm going to give away and be buried with.
0: Now that was when I was doing my last will and trust.
5: Oh, even even more riveting <laughs> during
0: during LegalZoom.com's national you know national will make month. a will Mel, make a will month. But I I I think what I've learned about. Friends of mine, they're like friends. They're obsessed with watches, obsessed with the car. Oh,
5: I agree with you on that, like uh, obsessed with, with these stupid, tangible things that nobody cares about. I agree.
0: No, listen, I guess it's nice. I don't wear a watch. My father wore a Timex that he bought at the local drugstore. Your father's watch. Right. It would last Anybody forever. You i talking about when I say that? I got it. We all we all, all cut on. Okay. Guess what? I don't remember or recall if my father had his watch on when they... When they buried him. But it was a Timex. He always wore a Timex watch. And I had this, to me, I'm not into the. Why do I feel it's ostentatious to, and showy? You know, I mean, I guess I can afford a cool car if I want a cool car. Uh, but people have to have their cool car. Uh, Jason, right? You think you own your house. You don't own your house. You rent your house. Ethan, can you do something less depressing, please? <laughs> why is this depressing? God almighty. Well, I got a lot of reaction to the fact that I said none of us own anything. We are renters. We, you all think you got you a reaction because people think that you're dying or something. No, I'm not it's, dying. Yeah, not, not, not time well, to go out into the woods why, yet? Slow down. we're all dying actually we're all on a path that's gonna (laughs) look we're all just on a toboggan ride to death (laughs) great pretty much i mean it's all pretty much downhill just some of us are going to be here longer than others all right that's going to wrap things up for today hannity tonight full coverage of the hurricane we have the by the way you know these price gouging why would people do that in the middle of a hurricane why why would people do that in the middle of you know, a time where everybody should pull together. We'll have the governor, the AG of Florida, Joe Bastardi. We have our weather team uh, all over Florida, Georgia, South Carolina. We'll report on all of it. Uh, the latest on the deep state scandal, the latest on Joe 30330. All coming up. Panity tonight, 9 Eastern. Thank you for being with us. As always, thank you for this microphone. Will never be the media mob. See you tonight. Back here tomorrow.